This morning, if you have a copy of God's Word, look with us to the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Book of 1 Corinthians chapter 15, and we begin reading with verse 12. Usually, this is a passage I read for our devotional reading at Easter time, but today I want us to look at this passage as Paul is writing about the resurrection. He's writing to a church at Corinth that has a lot of problems. If you read the book of 1 Corinthians, Paul is answering questions. A lot of doctrinal issues, a lot of ethical issues. As he's concluding the book, he's answering a question that they have and a belief that they're teaching, a wrong doctrine. And he's laying the foundation of how important it is to understand the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's what he's doing. <clears throat> we look at verse, beginning with verse 12. This is what Paul says. He said, now, if Christ is preached that he has been raised from the dead, how do some among you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain. Your faith also is in vain. Moreover, we are even found to be false witnesses of God because we testified against God that he raised Christ whom he did not raise if, in fact, the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. Let's continue on. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is worthless and you are still in your sins. And those also who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If we have hope in Christ this life only, we are of all men most to be pitied. Pray with me. Father, help us today understand how important the resurrection is. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Although he claimed to be born in America, he was actually born in Budapest, Hungary. There's a Jewish family on March 24th, 1874. They immigrated to the United States on July 3rd, 1878. His name was Eric Weiss. You know him by another name. When Eric was young, he was fascinated by sleight of hand and magic, and that's what he wanted to do, be a magician. So he worked the carnivals. But while he was working there, he also had a fascination with picking locks and fascination with knots. And so he wanted to become an escape artist too. And so Eric Weiss changed his name to Harry Houdini and became a magician and escape artist. It's almost impossible for, really, uh, for us to understand the impact this man had made because he was the first international superstar. I mean, before computers, the whole world knew who Harry Houdini was. In fact, many people thought he actually had supernatural powers because he took challenges. He could escape from anything, handcuffs or straitjackets, whatever it was, he could escape. He didn't have supernatural powers. He just worked hard. Uh, he had physical conditioning and knowledge. But he was a superstar. He adored his mother. He loved his mother. And when she died, he decided he wanted to talk to her again. So he scoured the world looking for a spiritualist, looking for someone to make contact with his mother. And what he discovered was around the world that they were con artists, they were magicians, and he knew their tricks. And he became so angry, he spent the rest of his life debunking them around the world. He became fascinated with this idea, is there life after death? And told, so he told his wife, if he ever, when he died, he would give a code. And he gave her a code, a word that only she knew. He said, this is the word I would use, and you will know it's me. Ironically, Harry Houdini died on Halloween in 1926. A year later, his wife held a seance to contact Harry Houdini, waiting for that word, and it didn't come. 
For 10 years, she held seances with people around the world. He never came. Then of 10 years, she turned off the light, the candle in front of his picture, and realized Harry Houdini couldn't escape death. The greatest escape artist in the world could not escape death. Today, we're celebrating the person who escaped death, and his name is Jesus. I mean, over 2,000 years ago, Jesus died on a Roman cross, buried, and the third day, he arose. The resurrection, that is our faith. That's why we celebrate. That's what Easter is all about. How important is the resurrection? It's everything to the Christian. Years ago, many years ago, Billy Graham was being interviewed by Time Magazine. Billy Graham said this about the resurrection. He said, if I were an enemy of Christianity, I would aim right at the resurrection because that is the heart of Christianity. You take away the resurrection, we have no faith. The Apostle Paul is writing to this church at Corinth, telling them how important it is. On August 15th, 1987, Howard uh, Schultz had a problem, a tough decision to make. Should he buy this small chain of coffee shops with a weird name called Starbucks? It costs $3.8 million, but he already owned coffee shops. So what should he do? This is what he wrote in his autobiography. He said, this is my moment, I thought. If I don't seize the opportunity, if I don't step out of my comfort zone and risk it all, if I let too much time tick on, my moment will pass. I knew that if I didn't take advantage of this opportunity, I will replay it in my mind for my whole life wondering, what if? What if? You know the rest of the story, by the way. He did pretty well. Five years after he bought it, they went nationally, and, and on June 26, 1992, they traded. By the time it finished, it was $273 million company. And by the way, if you haven't heard, they're still doing well. Last year, Starbucks launched 1,878 new stores, bringing in the total about 35,711 stores worldwide, 80 countries. They topped $6.1 billion last year in sales. They say they sell $4 million a, $4 million a cup of coffee. I just had this, this flashback. I'm sorry. <clears throat> a day. They claim they, they, they sell $4 billion, 4 billion cups every year. Today, he is now worth $3.4 billion. And it's all because of that one little word, if. That's what he said in his autobiography. If, if I don't do this, what will happen? If I don't do this, if I don't do this, if I don't do this. That little word has a powerful word, the word if. Well, Paul is using the same word. He was saying, if Christ didn't come out of the grave, if this is not true, if this didn't happen, it changes everything. A small little word that changed everything. The resurrection is so crucial to our faith. You take away the resurrection, you explain it away logically or historically, you can destroy the faith, but no one has ever done that. Now, I know every year there, there are different specials on National Geographic and Discover and Netflix explaining away the resurrection of Christ, but guess what? We're still here. You know why? Because if you examine those specials, they don't tell the whole truth. They don't give all the information. There are holes in their arguments because the resurrection did happen. So here's the Apostle Paul 
telling these Christians how important it is. And he begins, look at verse 3. We didn't read this, but I want you to notice, he's laying the foundation of what Jesus did on the cross. He said, Jesus paid for our sins. Verse 3, for I deliver to you that of the first importance, what I received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scripture. He said, Jesus died on that cross. You know, if you look at Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, 25% of those books are about the death of Jesus. Why? It's about everything. Now, it's not unusual for people to die. People die all the time. In fact, the Bible says it is appointed for men once to die. But Jesus died for our sins. That little word for means in our place. We should have died for our sins, but Jesus died for our sins. Jesus' life doesn't save us. Jesus' teaching doesn't save us. His death on the cross and the resurrection, that saves us. And Paul says, for I receive that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. He's reminding them. We've had the Old Testament thousands of years before. There's prophecies concerning the death of Christ. In fact, just the death on the cross, that event, there are 26 prophecies in the Old Testament predicting it. Jesus paid for our sins. Then he says, Jesus put away our sins. Verse 4, that he was buried. Now, that's kind of interesting to say. Jesus died, and then he was buried. Why, why, did it, why does Paul say that? Because in Paul's mind, this is very important. Because in the book of Jeremiah, chapter 31, verse 34, God says, For I will forgive their iniquity and their sin, and I will remember no more. That word there, forgive, means to take away. It means to pick up and move somewhere else. When Jesus died for us, he took our sins and moved it away. So in Paul's mind, he's picturing this. Jesus died. He was buried. And with him, all of our sins, and they're gone. He took away our sins. Jesus paid for our sins. Jesus put away our sins. And then he said he prevailed over our sins. In verse 4, and then he was raised on the third day. He says he prevailed over our sins. He was buried on the third day. Now, here's what's fascinating to me. In verse 3, Paul says he died for our sins. That's past tense. In verse 4, he says he was buried. That's past tense. Here he says he rose again on the third day. In the Greek, that's present tense. Here's the difference. Present tense means it continues on and on and on and on. You would expect it to be past tense. Paul says this is not a historical event only. This is something Jesus is alive today over and over and over every single day. You take away the resurrection, we have no faith. I mean, that's the difference in us and every other religion out there. I mean, all religions, I mean, have a leader. So do we. All religions have a form of written scripture. So do we. All, all religions have some type of miracle stories. Well, so do we. All, all religions have rich histories. So do we. So they're all the same? No. You know why? Because all the leaders are dead and buried. And most of them, we know where they are. You go to the tomb of our Lord Jesus, it's empty. And so here's Paul telling this church, this is so important. If it didn't happen, if it didn't happen, if Christ had not risen, look what happens. Begins in verse 14. If Christ has not risen, our preaching is pointless. Verse 14. 
If Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is vain. If Christ is still in the tomb, this preaching is pointless. My, by, by the way, my life is pointless. I have a master's degree. I have a doctorate degree. I've spent the last 40 years full-time churches. I have thousands of books in my library on this fact. So if he is still there, my life is pointless. The preaching is pointless. And by the way, right now, this is pointless. It means you're wasting your time listening to me. You're wasting your time if you read a devotional book. You're wasting your time if you listen to any sermon. Without a risen Savior, no matter how beautiful the sermon may be, no matter how logical the sermon may be, no matter how stimulating the sermon may be, it's not worth hearing. And Paul says that he, in the English version, it says vain. It means empty. It means no purpose. It's the idea of having knowledge that is completely useless. Did you know flamingos can only eat with their head upside down? Some of you are going to watch YouTube today. It's true. Did, did you know there, the cat has 32 muscles in its ears? First service, somebody wrote that down. I don't know why. Did you know that Barbie's full name is Barbara Millicent Roberts? Did you know that rabbits cannot vomit? <laughs> Do you realize none of that will make a difference in your life? That trivia is empty, vain, and useless. And Paul said if Christ didn't come out of the grave, that story is the same as what facts I just gave you. Our preaching is pointless. Secondly, second of all, he said, if Christ is not risen, our faith is foolish. Verse 14. He says, your faith also is vain. If Christ is still in the grave, our faith is foolish. Faith is only as good as the object. So if Christ is still in the grave, our faith is foolish because now our faith is just wishful thinking. There's a difference in faith and wishing. Faith is only as good as the object you're putting it in. I love what one preacher said. He said, it's not the strength of your faith, but the object of your faith that actually saves you. Strong faith in a weak branch is fairly inferior to weak faith in a strong branch. Our faith is only as good as the object. Without the resurrection, Paul says, our preaching is empty and our faith is empty. It's foolish. If Jesus Christ has not been raised from the dead, our faith makes no sense. It doesn't help you at all. If Jesus did not come out of the grave, our faith is foolish. We've just made it into wishful thinking. And then Paul says, if, if Christ is not risen, our witness is wrong. Verse 15. Moreover, we are even found to be false witnesses of God because we testified against God that he, did not, that he raised Christ, whom he did not raise. In fact, the dead are not raised. Paul, Paul said, if, if Christ is not risen, our witness is wrong. If, if there is no resurrection, and Christ is still in the grave, not only have we just made a mistake, he says we're bearing false witness. That, that word false witness is, uh, is, is pseudomartis. It comes from two words. Pseudo means fake, false. You know, like a pseudonym is a false name. The word martis comes from the word martyr. martyr. Uh, originally meant a witness, false witness. It means someone who's lying. That's what it means. I mean, not only are we mistaken, Paul says we're lying. Now, what he's talking about is the disciples. 
The disciples out there saying Jesus is alive. If Jesus is not alive, they're lying. They're not just hypocrites. They're liars. I mean, a hypocrite knows what he says he believes is a lie. A martyr believes what he believes is the truth. And a man may live for a lie, but he won't die for a lie. Remember what Paul just said earlier on in chapter 15? He said, Jesus appeared to them. He appeared to Peter. He appeared to the disciples. He appeared to 500. Now, that's why they could go to their death saying Jesus is Lord. That's why they can endure torture because they saw Jesus. And Paul says, if Jesus is not arisen, they're false witnesses. They're liars. They're frauds. They're fakes. They suffered for it. They died because they believed it. If Jesus Christ is still in the grave, these disciples, these apostles were fake and frauds and fools because they died for it. It makes no sense. Then Paul says, if Christ is not risen, our hope for forgiveness is futile. Look at verse 17. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is worthless. You are still in your sins. Paul says, you know, if Christ has not risen, you still have a sin problem. It's worthless. That, that word in the, in the Greek means futile. It, it means the idea that has no purpose, no result. Absence of truth. He, he said, it, look, if Christ is not out of the grave, we don't have forgiveness. That means your hope for forgiveness is a lie. There's no truth in it. What it means is if there's no resurrection, he's not the Savior. And if he's not the Savior, there is no forgiveness. And if there's no forgiveness, the penalty of sin is still upon you. And you and I are destined to death and hell. If Christ is not risen, forgiveness is impossible. That's what he says in verse 17. You are still in your sins. In other words, if Jesus is still physically dead... We are still spiritually dead. If Jesus did not arise, then sin is still a chain that binds us. It means that sin is still a load that burdens us. It means that sin is still a hammer that breaks us. If we are still in our sin and God is still in his holiness, it's impossible for we to get into the presence of God. Forgiveness is futile. There's nothing to do with your sin if he is not out of the grave. Someone had to pay for that sin. If this is a moral universe, someone had to do it. And then Paul says, if Christ is not risen, our future is frightening. Look at verse 18. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If Christ is still in the grave... There is no afterlife for us. There is no resurrection. We have no future. If Jesus did not come out of the grave, there is no hope. There is no heaven. There is no hope for our lost loved ones. Because of the resurrection, that gives us hope. Through the years, I've talked to people in hospitals who are not believers And you can feel the hopelessness in the room. Through the years, I've done funerals for non-believers. You can feel the hopelessness in the room. In fact, I've said this before. I can go into a room at a funeral home, and I can tell you if the person's saved or not. Just by the way the people sense it. I've talked to people who have terminal illness, given only a few months to live. 
who are not believers, and I can see the hopelessness. What Paul is saying, if Christ is not risen, our future is frightening because we're facing death. Years ago, there was a woman diagnosed with a terminal illness, and they gave her three months to live. So she contacted her pastor to come and, and talk about the arrangement for the funeral. And she told him what she wanted. She told him the songs she wanted to sing. She told him the, some Bible verses, and she told him what she, some things she wanted. And she said, by the way, Pastor, the, my Bible's going to be buried with me in the casket. As he was leaving, she said, oh, there's one more thing. He said, what's that? I, this is important. I'm going to be buried with a fork in my right hand. Okay. He said, why? Here's what she said. In all my years of attending church socials and potluck dinners, when the dishes of the main course were being cleared, someone would inevitably lean over and say, keep your fork. It was my favorite part of the meal because I knew something better was coming, like chocolate cake or deep dish apple pie. So when people see me in the casket with my fork and they ask you what the fork is for, pastor, just tell them something better is coming. When you have faith in the resurrection, you can face death that way. If there's no resurrection, then there's no hope for the dead. But that also means there's no hope for the living. I mean, look what Paul says in verse 19. If we have hope in Christ in this life only, in other words, if all we're doing is following his teachings, we are of all men most to be pitied. They should feel sorry for us. You see, if, if Christ didn't come out of the grave and we're just following his teaching, we have no hope for the future because we don't know if this world will be destroyed by an asteroid or a nuclear holocaust or some virus. We live in that kind of fear. If you don't have hope, we don't have hope in living. And Paul says, we are to be pitied. Without the resurrection, we have nothing to look forward to and nothing to hope for. At best, our lives will be chaos every day. And then Paul says in verse 20, these key words. But now Christ has been raised. I love this. Paul's laying the foundation. If this, ha- if, 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 but he's alive. He's alive. If all this is true, that's our world. Hey, we don't have to worry about that, but Christ is alive. That is our message every Sunday. That's our message this Easter. Christ is alive. You know, when Lenin died in 1924, the Soviet Union, the Russians decided to keep his body so everybody could still see it. And so since 1924, people are still lining up to see the corpse of Lenin in Red Square. Now, the government spends $1.5 million a year to maintain his look so he doesn't look dead. And so Lenin Cadaver is, is in there and they do everything they can so he doesn't have that death look. In fact, there's a team of 15 scientists, all they do is to take care of that body. And they monitor the humidity and the temperature. They, they make, make minor restoration in the face and the hands twice a week. Every year they have to go through this process of chemical preserver for about two months. Oh, so, by the way, don't go there in February or March. It's going to be closed. 
But when it's open, you can go see this body of a man died in 1924, and you can hear the voice reverberating, saying these words. He was the greatest leader of all the people of all countries, of all times. He was the Lord of the new humanity. He was the Savior of the world. Did you notice it? Was. Past tense. He's dead. Paul says, but Jesus is alive. He is our hope. He is our future. He is everything. And if you're here this morning, you're watching online, you've never given your life to Christ, he's waiting on you. You do that very simply by admitting you're a sinner, saying, God, I know I'm a sinner. I can't save myself. There's nothing I can do about my sins. Only Christ can take away my sin. And also by believing, believing that Jesus Christ, 2,000 years ago, died on a cross for you. He took your sins. He carried them away. And C stands for confessing. Confessing means you give everything to God. You agree with God. Lord, I give you everything in my life. We make that decision today. If you're watching online and you'd like to give your life to Christ, if you would text the word today at 270-398-5005, and a minister will give you a call. But if you're here this morning as we begin singing, if you've never given your life to Christ, just come to the front, talk to me or one of the ministers at the front, or, or after the service, go to the Connection Center, talk to one of the ministers. But today is Easter, and Christ is risen. Will you give your life to him? Would you stand and bow your heads? Our Heavenly Father, 2,000 years ago, an event took place, a historical event that changed everything. But Father, my prayer today is that it will change individual lives for that person who's never given their life to you in a personal way. Father, they may think that their sins are too bad. Father, they may think they've made too big of a mistake in their life. Father, they may think, well, I don't know if I can hold on. Father, take away all their concerns and show them the empty tomb. That Jesus is alive and it's calling them to him. Father, let them take that first step and Father, help them every step along the way. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.